Hey, fellow GNTers, those of us who like our Tantra with a little gin and our gin with a lot of Tantra. Uh, in this episode, we continue with the second part of our two-part interview with Samantha Berkey. She is a licensed, registered psychiatric and aesthetic nurse, but one who sees her true calling as helping individuals find self-love, appreciation, and empowerment. She is definitely a fellow GNTer who wants to share the fruits of her own personal insights and experiences through her work. As in the first one, in this episode, we discuss many important things, including some of Samantha's positive experiences working with mental health patients and some of her important takeaways, the importance of listening, the challenges of managing stress as a tool, and finding one's own path. Wow. We also touched upon a subject that is personally very close to my own heart, so I'm going to soapbox for just a second in this intro. Okay, climbing up onto the soapbox now. One of the undercurrents of parts of the tantric literature is this recognition that women are not necessarily socially, culturally treated equally, fairly, respectfully. That's a mouthful of adverbs all in a bunch, but all true. So one of the strong admonitions in those parts of the tantric literature is don't do that. Women and everyone else should all be treated equally, fairly, respectfully. At root, we are all manifestations of spirit. Okay, I'm clanging off my soapbox now. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Gin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. So we've kind of been highlighting a lot of these, um, you know, factors, right? These sort of negative life factors, negative emotional factors or difficult factors. I won't even call them negative. We'll just say difficult difficulties that people, you know, experience in their life that would drive them to, you know, seek mental health, mental help for their mental health. Right. But mm -hmm. if we could shift our conversation a little bit and Sam, I'd like to first um, hear from you. And then I think will be a, a nice little ability for all of us to discuss um, when you see people who have success, all right, leaving, leaving your place. What are some of the things that are, you know, shared by them that you have shared with them or that they share with you or, you know, whatever, like, what are some of the positives that people who are listening to this could take away for themselves or for someone who's going through a similar situation? Like, how can we start to kind of like turn the tide for someone who might hear this and they're like, oh man, these guys are talking about a whole lot of real heavy mental kind of stuff. But like, how can you, you know, share some of your experience and what you've learned and then we'll do the same for everybody else. You know? I guess it's experiences of success, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like the, the people who are most successful are the people who are recognizing that it's something with that within themselves that needs to change not something from the external environment, not something from the household, not something outside of themselves that needs to change. So converting that blame into like, how, how can I see this differently? How can I behave differently? How is what I'm doing creating my experience? How is how, the way I'm thinking about it creating my experience? 
um, and really kind of taking on that personable, personal responsibility um, on top of learning the proper coping skills um, through all of the different groups that we have. Um, so really taking that on as a responsibility. I say those are the ones that are the most successful. That really speaks to like the kind of um, spirituality, Buddhist and Taoist part of our particular podcast. There's a kind of a Buddhist metaphor. It kind of poses this question, you know, what do you do when the world is hostile? And it's really hard to like pave the entire world with leather. So what you have to learn how to do is like, like make a pair of shoes for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of take it upon yourself and then that way you can build yourself up. And then whether it's social media or the fact that the family may have dysfunction, unfortunately, and sadly, you know, maybe still you can build up something for yourself that allow you to handle those stressors. Right. Yeah. 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 That's part of like, obviously theme of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Sam, when you, when you sit with somebody, you know, and they're kind of like getting there, you know, they've had a bit of a breakthrough and they're kind of, you know, getting ready to leave at some point and you're, you know, and you're one of your last few meetings with them. What are some, what are some tips that you give them uh, for them to help maintain their, you know, mental clarity or attitude of, you know, being normal, quote unquote normal to be able to function in life, you know? Um, well, definitely. Um, well, we, obviously, whenever someone is discharged, they're going to be connected with a therapist. Nobody gets discharged without having some type of outpatient care. And so they have that continuity of care after they leave. They're not just going to be sent home to fend for themselves and be put in the same situation that they were in before they left. Right. Um, so, you know, always going back to the skills, asking them, putting it back on them. What are some of the skills that were really helpful for you that you learned here? Um, and just always having those in your back pocket. Um, I'm someone who is more on the spiritual side. So I, I do like to go in, in with the girls and do some, you know, guided meditations, um, affirmations, um, these kinds of practices are really helpful in, you know, staying on your course and staying on your path. Just out of curiosity, because that's kind of like our gig on this show too. How do the girls respond to that? Are they open to it? Um, it's really on a case by case. It, yeah, it depends. Um, and it also depends on where they are, you know, when in their treatment, it's not uh -huh. like on their, on their first day, like there's no way they're not in a place to be receptive to anything like that. Um, so it, yeah, if they're in a, if they're in an anxiety is seven out of 10, like that's not the time for me to start introducing new things like meditation or affirmations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not, you know, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Their minds it. aren't in a state where they're going to be able to like in incorporate that in that moment. Right. Right. And it's, it's really something to have when they are at a calmer state and so that they can use that to prevent, you know, getting to that level. Um, yeah, but it's, so, not, yeah. it's great that you're doing that, though. I mean, that is kind of that is kind of amazing. Is that something that uh, people on staff, other people on staff support? Or is that something you kind of do a little bit more independently, kind of taking your own initiative with that? I do that. That's that's kind of my passion. That's really what I feel like I'm guided to do there. You know, uh -huh. my, my internal guidance is telling me that that's, you know, what I should be doing with these girls. Um, 
and, and helping to shift their perspective a little bit on, you know, their inter internal dialogue with themselves, helping them see things from through the eyes of truth. Um, and um, it, it's not something that they, that, that's part of my job. It's not something that, you know, is on the checklist or anything like that, but I do, it's helped me so much personally. So I, I am definitely guided to do that and help them. There's this question we want to ask to almost everybody who comes on the show, which is, if you go back in the time machine and you look at yourself, what, what is it you think led you to having that vision, to have that passion, to want to share that with those patients in that way? I mean, you know, we're always interested in what makes people go in that spiritual direction, because it's not, it's not like something the culture necessarily obviously supports. It's something that people choose to, on an individual level, pursue, right? And we're, and we're always curious as to what, what makes uh, some individual person start to head in that direction. Is that, is that an answerable question? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one because it's been it's been a long journey for me, and it was actually probably being I can see myself in these girls. I was one of them. Maybe I wasn't self harming or anything, but a lot of the emotions that they're experiencing um, and what they're feeling, I can see myself in them. And being feeling that way for most of my life, um, and never being diagnosed with anything or never being medicated, but recognizing that. I had a very similar thought process to the things that they're sharing with me. I know that that thinking that way definitely made me feel the same way that they're feeling right now. So living that for so long and then honestly, I, plant medicine has really helped me kind of break through a lot of barriers of limiting beliefs mm -hmm. um, and allowed me to experience a lot of connection, connection to, to source, universe, God, whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, but I was an atheist. I was raised to be atheist most of my life. And um, yeah, I had my, my spiritual awakening, I guess you would call it, maybe just two years ago. So it's fairly new for me. And, um, and still, and still, still coming, still on well, that's, the way. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So you say p plant medicine, is that sort of the shamanic aspect? Uh, I know you and Daniel know each other so well. Is that kind of what happened for you, Samantha? Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, an ayahuasca experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the shamanic part yeah. of the show. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. But the, but, but the thing is, you were you had already been decided to be a nurse. You had already decided to be a psych nurse, right? So all of those that's true. All of those things were in play. I'm not downplaying your experiences. I'm just saying you were already on your path. It's just that that became more clarified as to how you would do you, how you would be a practitioner from that perspective. But you had already chosen to share your healing desires with the world, right? I, that is true. Um, I was just more so thinking about how I wanted to like be able to financially, you know, provide for myself while I could still be in a position where I am caring for people. Mm -hmm. And I was super interested in the mind and the body connection. Mm -hmm. um, I had no interest in psychiatry going into nursing school. Mm -hmm. um, my mom coincidentally is a therapist, a licensed therapist. And she apparently knew that I was going to be in psychiatry, <laughs> but I had no, no idea. Um, and it was my experience from school being on the exact 
um, inpatient psychiatric unit that I'm, that I'm working at, um, it was just such an incredible experience. The staff was amazing. Um, I liked the one-to-one connection. I liked like that belly to belly in front of someone, um, helping them and, um, really listening. I think that that's like a huge thing that people don't, don't feel listened to enough. Um, and being able to do that and be that ear for people, um, definitely, um, definitely, you know, guided my, my decision to go into psychiatry for sure. But I had not, um, been meditating when I first started there. I had not been um, into my spiritual practice. That happened maybe six or seven months in uh, into working there. And actually, it started because I was I was coaching people or like telling them, "Oh, these are some things that you should do, right? These are some coping skills. Why have you tried meditating? Have you tried squared breathing? These are things they teach you in nursing school." But I had never actually done them myself. So I'm like, oh, why don't I give this a try? I've been telling my patients to do this. Why, don't, why am I not doing this? And then it kind of opened up this whole new world to me. So that almost sounds like there was two kinds of things. There was one kind of engaging in some of the meditation stuff that was good for you. And it was also sort of these breakthrough experiences that were more shamanic that sort of said, oh, there's more to this. Maybe there's a different way of looking at the world than how I thought about it before. Maybe how I was raised to think, you know, I was raised to maybe be an atheistic person, but maybe there's more mystery in life than that or something that happened because of these breakthrough experiences. Does that seem about right? Yeah. And I think I always had it in my mind that like I had been working out. So I was working on my body, you know, and I had gone to college, which is something that I, you know, went, did later in life and was really striving to do. So in my mind, I was working on my mind and my body, but I was missing the soul piece. And I knew that like deep down inside, like I knew that that piece was missing and I didn't really understand how to get through from well, I don't really believe in God, but how do I still work on this aspect of, of life, you know? And I was so grateful when, when it, I guess it happened for me, because I knew that I knew there was more, but I didn't really know how to grasp it when I couldn't see it. Yeah, we were talking with, uh, in one of our previous episodes, we were talking with uh, psychologist friends of our, friend of ours, Samit uh, Kumar, and that those moments of transcendence, you know, so you have a moment of transcendence and it opens up other possibilities for you, right? They're like the transformative aspects of life work that way. Yeah. 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 You know, the other part that really, really, I'm sorry, Daniel, the other part that really resonates me, like just on the spiritual side is, you know, Daniel and I talk about this a lot here is there's this kind of Buddhist concept of the bodhisattva which is you want to go and do compassionate things to help other people. And if you're going to be a nurse, obviously you're, you're engaging in a compassionate activity to help others. It's a, what they call a bodhisattva activity. But what really hit me in what you were saying too, and I think maybe Daniel and I, you and I both felt this way. There are things you go through yourself. Like you said, you can see yourself in these girls and you sort of understand where they're going through. You can take your own experiences and kind of turn them around. You grow from them, you learn from them, and you're also able to help other people who might be going through the same thing, right? That's, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. the bodhisattva side. Yeah. So um, let me ask you, Sam, if, if, if you can, um, and I'll put you on a spot here in, in a second. If there was someone who was listening to this, who either was themselves or knew somebody who was in the demographic that we were talking about today, we'll say, you know, teenage, you know, 11 to 18 or 12 to 17, 
boy or girl, whatever, we'll, we'll leave the gender out of it, you know, but just that age range, you know, very affected, very concerned with, you know, social interactions, families, you know, views of them trying to find their way in life. And they were having, you know, a tough time mentally, right, where they were experiencing some anxiety, some depression, maybe feelings of worthlessness, as you mentioned earlier, guilt or shame, maybe even feelings of, you know, that their life doesn't have value and, um, you know, possibly even self-harm, but, you know, anywhere along this road, you know, what would you say to that person to, you know, get them to, you know, change their mindset a little bit, you know, on how things are or what they could, where could they turn to? How could they, you know, just some basic general advice. Cause I do, I do like to be able to provide people with some tangible, you know, information, you know what I'm saying? To where they can take it and, yeah. and listen and use it. And so um, this is why I wanted you to come on because you and I talk about this so much on a regular basis, um, you know, the sort of mindset work with people. And one of the, you know, I was sort of looking up stuff earlier and, and there's this, you know, we always call it stress management, right? How to manage stress. And while I think the idea is good, I think the labeling is terrible. And the reason why I say that is because when we manage something, usually has value, right? So we have a money manager, right? And there's a store manager, right? Managing their mm. employees. And yet we manage stress, meaning that stress has some sort of intrinsic value, like it's an appendage or, you know, some extra organ that we need to management, manage it. But I think it's more like friction, actually. And uh, if we could... It do does sort of give the connotation that you're stuck with it, right? You have to manage it, manage yeah. it. It's not like something you can eliminate or something i guess you really can eliminate it but it's all framed i guess i know what you mean it's framed in the context of managing like mm -hmm. you're managing something that you're stuck with somehow right i guess yeah. that i hadn't thought about in those terms but i i see where you're going with it uh -huh. and so i guess so you know and, and certainly we can all you know give our opinions but i'd like to hear from sam first if we can um what would you say to somebody in, in that particular spot you know in a minute or two you know what would you say to them if they came and, and were like hey sam i want to talk to you for a moment and they're having what would you say uh, well, that's kind of tricky because I, I, I do work on a like one-to-one -one basis mm -hmm. and it's usually situational. Mm -hmm. So my response is usually dependent upon exactly what it is that is going on. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the number one thing would be um, to return back to, you know, who you really are. And that you know exactly who you are. You know, you know exactly who you are. You don't need to look outside yourself. And just kind of finding that quiet space to move within, take some deep breaths. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it really, it really depends on the person and, and the relationship that I have with them. I think that resonates as an overall idea, though, whether it's spiritual or psychological, that you have to be able to find that place within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. It is kind of yeah. like the, I may not be able to, like, pave the whole world, but I can make myself a pair of shoes kind of a thing, right? I can find a space within myself, you know? And I, I think as far as, like, the theme of this show, you know, being you know, the spiritual paths and all that, there is this idea that there there's some core element of people which inside of every person where they can find joy and peace and even bliss if you can find that spot in yourself. But you have to be able to kind of turn in to do that. And that, that's the first start of, of any of this probably, yeah? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the turning inwards is, is important. And I think for some people, they, well, for a lot of folks that part of themselves hasn't been, they haven't been taught, you know, to do that. Number one, it hasn't been valued in the way that it could be number two. And when they do that, it, it seems like it's a retreat, you know, like it's a failure as if the external world is the only place in which you can go for solace. It's the end of all the equations, you know, is engaging on the outside. And, and we are people who we do have to engage in the outside world, but it's not the end of the, uh, it's not the end of the road, you know, and ultimately our experience, we have to have some impact on it, you know, so regardless of the pressures that we're getting from our friends or our family or whatever, I think to your point, Sam, we do have to find out who it is that we are. And everyone knows themselves more intimately than anybody else ever can, right? We are our own friend for sure. There's no, there's no, you know, you can't argue that point. And to be able to use that as a strength and, and accept who you are, right? Because shame and guilt, like we talked about earlier, are aspects of non-acceptance. You know, either things yes. you did or didn't do, but accepting yourself for, for the being that you are is the first step for me, I believe, you know, in, in trying to come to terms with where it is that you're at in your current situation. So you may not be able to change it. You may not be able to change your family. You know, if you're younger, they make all the money, you know, and you're stuck in school and you can't get a job or move out yet. And so how do you manage that? Well, I think part of that is just understanding who you are first, because if if you're unable to, to do that or have a difficult time doing that, then it feels like everyone else is dictating who you are and you're just some sort of like box of reaction. Right. Well, and, and to, be, to be clear, I would never just say that to someone as they were leaving as advice without having prior conversations like that, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it's not like I'm just sending them <laughs> off saying that without any type of precursor. Like this has been going on for some time, like 30 days plus, you know. Um, and having some deeper conversations and, you know, sometimes, sometimes parents can be kind of rough and tough and not understanding and not providing a space where their children can make decisions and can, you know, maybe they made a mistake in the past and now the parents are so, um, restricted because they're afraid that their child is going to make that mistake again. But that kind of, that kind of, um, it really hinders them because then not only are my parents not trusting me and I can't trust myself, mm. you know? So sorry, that kind of, I guess I went off on a no, tangent on that hey, one. That, that, no, it's on point. Podcasts are, are basically recorded tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That, that was that was that was near enough to target, right? That was on yeah, target. yeah, we're yeah. Close, yeah, close enough for, for to be an improv musician. You're good. Yeah. Um, you know, Daniel, awesome. there was one other part of this that I wanted to throw in, just because sure. of the specific population that Samantha's working with, and this is mm -hmm. just a, a little bit of tantra. I was again, we were we talked earlier about doing this, and I knew who Samantha worked with, and I've also, you know, obviously I was talking about my daughter, and so and all that stuff was kind of swirling in my head, and there is this tantric thing that is brought up where in some of the tantric texts, and, and these are old books, and I'm not trying to say that there isn't sexism and, you know, not all of these old books are full of, you know, 
mm-hmm. enlightened 21st century things that we would all agree with. You know, they're, they're, they're older things, sometimes written in flawed cultural settings, you know. But there is this underlying theme, if you read it the right way, where there's a sort of acknowledgement that um, socioculturally speaking, women might be treated more negatively treated more unfairly and a lot of the tantric texts and there's a great author in this if anyone's interested named miranda shaw she talks about this she has a number of books where this issue comes up in the class in the classic tantric text there's a strong admonition to be kind and good to women and girls because there's this recognition that there are aspects of life that uh social life cultural life that are going to be more hard hardly directed at them and i just felt like that's something that I think has to be said too, that there is a part of the spiritual tradition that does recognize that, you know, that the factors that, you know, developing, uh, developing women, you know, the girls that you're seeing are being presented with, you know, a lot of it is unfairly negative and this, this should be acknowledged and there should be a kindness, uh, uh, you know, and a reaching out to understand you know, in this case, we're talking about teenage girls, but teenage girls are going through this in a way that is, you know, wrong, but also can be spiritually acknowledged and should be like they should be supported, especially because of that. So I just wanted to throw that out there as part of the tradition. It is there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, they are our mothers or will be at some point. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, so if, you, if you can't be nice to your mama, then, you know, we got bigger problems that's or if you or future nurses, or future nurses. <laughs> the people who are going to be taking care of you one way or the other right that's right that's right it's support when we need it most yeah and i think you know part of what they're talking about in that text if i could even put some of my own brain on it is is paying it forward yeah, yeah. i think with it with the yeah. recognition too though that like there are parts of this that are unfair right mm-hmm. being unfairly directed mm-hmm yeah well we try to support our women as much as we can and i hope everybody who's listening to this uh supports all the women in your life as best as you can uh whether that be through physical or mental ways or financial ways whatever you can you know it's, it's good to support the women uh, i think they're more than 50% of the population just in terms of a statistical perspective so uh it's always a good thing to have that many folks uh happy as best as, they, as, best as we can do it uh anything left for you guys or are you good that, I'm good. No, I think that was my closer. I wanted to make sure that that got said because I was thinking, mm, yeah, that's mm. something that has to be said. It's like there is a part of the tradition that recognizes that. So that that's probably my final out on this. Okay, perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, Sam, Manta, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being on. Uh, I know it was a you know a little bit of rough going in the beginning, but I think it turned out really nicely. <laughs> Uh, different than what we expected, but that's always nice because uh, surprises are good in life. So thank you for uh, taking the time to do it. Eric, as always, my friend, thank you much. And Thank, uh, th- thank you, Samantha. Thanks for doing it. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Absolutely. And uh, for Eric, this is Daniel. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you guys again soon. Peace. Peace.